Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, y'all. <laughs> hey. I'm feeling very sad today. It's it's a sad one. It's a super sad one. They're all sad, but this one really, really really sucks yeah super sucks i cried at the grocery store just thinking about recording it sloan you were right i was gonna cry we all knew that well yeah that's true in case you're not sure what you clicked on this is killer queens i'm torella i'm tori and uh we're gonna be your guides through the shit show that is this case yes so strap in babies yeah just in case you're brand new here we are a conversational podcast. Yep. We are going to talk about a case. We're going to just kind of chit chat about it. It's going to feel like you're sitting around with friends talking about a case. Just riffing. Just just shooting the shit. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep it light in here. Yeah. As best we can. Well. I don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen here. No. I, um, yeah. Jesus take the wheel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The case that we're going to be covering, and please do keep in mind that we are Southern <laughs> girls <laughs> from Tennessee, so we're going to try the best we can, but we're not great at pronunciations unless we're talking about um, country Western singers. Yeah. So this is the case of Jyoti Singh. I think that was great. It's referred to as the Nirabaya case. Wow. Yeah, am I doing it? Okay. Yeah, you're doing it. I listened to a lot of pronunciations online to re- and I practiced a lot. That It shows. Because I don't want to mess it up. Well, and I think that that's really sweet and really awesome because you're just trying to be respectful, right? Totally. Um, so that's the case we're going to cover today. It's going to be two parts. Um, of course, if you want the second part immediately, you can join the Patreon and get it ASAP. If you are already part of the Patreon, then, you know, you'll have it. Yeah. You'll just have it already. Cool. Yeah. All right, here we go. The name Nirbaya means the fearless one, and that was kind of the name given to this case initially, or that's what everybody referred to the victim as, because in India, victims of certain crimes like rape are not supposed to be released, like their names are not supposed to be released to the public. So that's kind of what took hold when this case first occurred. Now, there is a documentary about this case called India's Daughter. And if you have not watched it, you 1000% should watch it. But make sure that you have tissues nearby and maybe some sort of punching bag. Oh, yes, a punching bag for sure. If you are married or live with any men, they must leave the house. Yeah. They will be in danger of physical violence. You in danger, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or just don't look at them for an extended amount of time after. At least 72 hours, I think, is going to be a safe bet. It's probably best. Uh, I, I'm going to use this quote to best describe these feelings. It's from the great movie My Girl. And don't come back for five to seven days. 
Yes, that's exactly right. I actually just told my husband to move out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. That's all I could do. We watch it on Amazon Prime. I think there's different ways that you can watch it, but if you have Prime, it comes with it. But you can get it on YouTube, other things. It's worth paying for if you can't get it for free. Absolutely. And it's not that I would... I was not ready for it to end, but it's only like a 55, 58 minute long documentary. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, you know, multiple parts where you have to invest a ton of time in it if you either can't because it's too upsetting or if you don't have the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So and like we said, normally with cases like this, the victim's name is not released, but her parents in the documentary said that they wanted her name to be released. And her parents are just precious as the day is long oh my gosh they're so precious her dad is the rarest rose oh my gosh don't I you know. think like oh in that culture? Yes. yeah so her the victim's name was jyothi singh and we meet her parents in the documentary this i we are not covering the documentary we're just letting you know about the documentary but you do get to meet her parents you get to see them talk about things um one of the perpetrators is interviewed in it there's a lot of interviews with like the defense lawyers um some people in the police department there so i i feel like it's a lot of good information well and it's good too to like paint the picture but also like just get a feel for everyone in the case because reading about the case and reading about some of the people who are you know active players in it like just to see and to hear from their own mouths their points of view is really, really beneficial, but also makes you want to murder, I don't, a pillow or something. I don't know. Well, and like you see the anguish on her parents' faces. It's just, it's so sad. I mean, you you really feel for these people and and you can really, you're able to connect with them, I feel like, by watching it. So I definitely think it's, if you want, information about this case it, that's a must see yes um but the defense attorneys and the perpetrator will make you want to punch the highlights out of their hair so yeah and i think it's also important though to see them talk about it because that really highlights the mentality that oh. you're up against here. oh yeah definitely um i guess we're kind of rambling but in the documentary, they say they're okay with using her name because they want her story to be told because it has it has lit a fire under not only people in India and in that culture, but the world and the way that things are for women there. This case just kind of turned stuff upside down and and helped other people, other women, other victims, other survivors, all these things feel more comfortable or feel like they had the power to say no and say this isn't going to happen anymore and we deserve to be treated like human beings. Well, right. And in this culture specifically, it seems like women are to be seen and not heard they try to keep everything quiet and what this case did was like turn on a big old like bullhorn and Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's there's no shutting it off now yeah exactly um jyothi was raped and murdered in 2012 but her death brought out the rage in many people not only was her death horrific and painful but it shone a light on the disturbing way that women are seen and treated in india sunday december the 16th 2012 23-year-old medical student Jyothi and her male friend Anindra? Anindra? 
don't know. I'm trying. I uh, hope that's okay. We're coming home from seeing Life of Pi at the theaters, and Jyoti was about to start her medical internship that Monday, and she told her mom that she just wanted to go out one more time before she didn't have any free time anymore. So it was like that kind of in-between. She'd gotten that internship, and she's like, my friend asked me to go to a movie. I kind of can't say no because this is a huge opportunity because I'm not going to have this again for six months at least. Well, and she was such a hard worker. Like, my gosh, her friend, a, a friend, um, if you watch the documentary, there's a friend that's telling about Jyoti and um, saying, like, she, so she was in school and she worked overnight at a call center, an mm-hmm. international call center. So she worked from, I think it was 11 to 3 a.m. or something. And then yeah. she got three hours of sleep, three or four hours of sleep. And he's like, how can you keep doing this? And she's like, I have to. I can do it. Like, I- yeah. I'm going to do- make this work. Yeah, I can and I have to. And like, that's an amazing, given the culture that she grew up in, especially, that's an amazing outlook to have by saying, this is something that I want and I'm going to do anything that I can to make it happen. And I can do it. I am strong enough. I can I can live on maybe not as much sleep. Like I can I can do what I need to do right now and power through this to make my dreams of being educated come true, which is not an opportunity afforded to women there like it is here. And I think that's something that you take for granted. Oh, absolutely. You know? And not to say that everybody, all women have equal opportunity here, that's absolutely not the case, but just to know that it's not even just, it's not discouraged there. It's like not gonna happen for a lot of women. Well, yeah, it's not, there is no argument. It's just no. <laughs> yeah, it's not possible. And there's so much that goes into that and we'll we'll delve into that a little bit more later, but it's just, it's, it was really an eye-opening case. I mean, you know, I think I just didn't, personally, I didn't realize how bad it still was. Well, I read an article in Marie Claire, my favorite um, women's magazine, but it was an article definitely around this and the world of rape in this, in this culture. Like, I don't know if it was specific about India, but it was kind of in the Middle East and things like that. And that we need to shift our view from, okay, well, what did she do to deserve it to you need to treat or you need to teach men that are boys that that's not okay. But that I saw that article. It was four years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's we're still here, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be re completely like rewiring the thinking that people grow up with. Well, and not just men, but women, too, because, yes. yeah, everybody is taught this. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that do to your self-worth when you, you know, you grow up thinking that I have no place here? Mm-hmm. I'm to look down when I'm in public. I'm not to look up at people. I'm not to go outside after 4 or 5 p.m. without a male member of my family present. Like a chaperone, Yeah. Yeah. It's astonishing. And I I think there's a lot of people that maybe just don't realize what's still going on. And it's not because it's not I don't think it's necessarily because of, you know, anything like that. You don't care or anything like that. It just I really just feel like this case opened my eyes a lot. I just. Well, and feel like I didn't know a lot. But I mean, at the same time, though, how could you really know a lot about it? Because that's business as usual for them. 
Right. So yeah. It's it's not making a big splash because it happens all the time, unfortunately. Yeah. And they do a lot. I mean, of course, they're trying to do a lot to save face on the world stage, essentially. But India's daughter is not allowed to be. It's not. It's it's banned in India. I'm not. And surprised. she, the director, the woman who made it, Leslie. I don't remember her last name. Um, is not allowed back in India. Like after this came out. So, I mean, they're definitely trying to not make this, make a big deal out of this. Well, yeah, it's, uh, she's, she's probably just some uppity bitch that can't keep her mouth shut, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so, like we said, Jyoti is working her ass off to do what it is that she wants to do. And we, I'm going to go ahead and say this now. Sorry for all of the rambling or whatever, but this... This case really lit our asses on fire. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Absolutely. So I feel like there's just so much that you can talk oh, yeah, there's about in this case. so much to unpack and there's so much conversation to be had. Yeah. So at that point when she's getting ready to start her internship. So basically it was like the light at the end of the tunnel for them because once she finished her internship, she would then get a job as a doctor and then she'd be able to help her parents financially. And... She said that, um, or her mom said that Jyothi told her that her little girl is a doctor now and she didn't need to worry about her anymore. And that night she said she was just going to be gone a couple hours. So she left the house to go watch the movie with her friend. Then after the movie, they uh, took a bus. So the bus system there, I had to like do a little digging too. There are actual like public transportation buses. But then there are, so after a certain time at night, and again, I guess this all has to do with not being allowed to be outside. Yeah, I I don't know, I guess, because it it seems like, yeah, because after a certain point, the regular transportation buses don't run anymore, but there are people who will have minivans by their own buses or whatever. Private bus. Yeah, and they will pick people up. So it's not totally unusual to hop on a bus that maybe wouldn't be the bus you would take during the daytime, but they will pick up other people. They ended up getting on a bus at about 8.30 p.m., and when the bus started moving, a group of men who were already on the bus, there were six people already on the bus. According to the driver interviewed in the documentary, one of the men, which was later named as Ram Singh, asked Avanindra, why he was out so late with a girl. And according to that man, Avnindra said, that's none of your business. And so the man slapped him. And they ended up beating him up really badly. And then he ended up hiding between the seats as they dragged Jyothi to the back of the bus. And they beat him up to the point that, like, his legs were broken. It was not like they slapped him around a little bit and he just went and hid. He was badly, badly beaten. Then, once they were in the back of the bus, the men attacked and took turns raping Jyoti. Then the men took off the couple's clothes and they ended up using an iron rod to violate her. When they were done, they threw both of them from the bus. They were tossed out of the front door and landed in a ditch. They were bloody. They were beaten. They were totally naked. They were found by patrolman Raj Kumar, who heard someone yelling for help. And it was like, He said once he heard the yelling, he saw their badly, like, bloodied and beaten bodies, like, in the bushes. And so he went and found them. And 
he said that like a crowd of 30 to 35 men gathered and he was saying, somebody help me, somebody help me. I need to help these people. And none of them would. Yeah, and so would help. he said that he ended up going across the street to a nearby hotel to get a bed sheet and water and he ripped the sheet in half so that he could cover each of them. In the documentary, they're they're doing this interview with him and he is at the scene where he found them. And you see the hotel, it's technically across the street. But it's like across the highway. It's like... Like the interstate. How the fuck? Yeah, that would have taken him so long. And these people just stood there. This was not like, I mean, if you were if you were in a hurry and you were looking at that's the nearest place, you're looking at it like it may as well be the fucking end of the world. Like, mm-hmm. it was very far. It was very. not directly across the street. No. Yeah. Um, And 30 people there could have been really beneficial to, you know... Yeah, somebody be helping, somebody go get stuff, maybe somebody had something in their car, I don't know, but yeah. Somebody go and call the police. Yeah, nothing, nothing. just whatever. Um, So when the ambulance finally got there, it took both of them to the hospital, and by this point, it's like, I think 11 o'clock or something like that, it's been a few hours, so... By this point, Jyoti's parents are incredibly worried because, again, like, it's not super, super normal for women. I mean, she's 23. She lives at home. It's very unusual for her not to be back home when she said she's going to be back home. And because of that heightened danger around that sort of thing, her parents are worried, like, okay, this is not good. What's going on here? And they were called and told that their daughter had been raped. Dr. Rashmi Ahuja was the gynecologist at the hospital when Jyoti arrived. She said that Jyoti was not screaming or unconscious, but she was giving clear details and descriptions. She recalled everything that happened to her. And she honestly, like, they didn't even understand how she was still alive. And the the guys on the bus thought she was dead. That's why they tossed her out. So it's, I mean, it's amazing that she was able to not only survive that, but be able to consciously tell them what happened to her mm-hmm. and give descriptions and everything that she did. I mean, it's it's incredible. She'd been slapped in the face, kicked in the abdomen. She had bite marks all over her body and multiple other injuries all over her body as well. We'll go ahead and give you a a trigger warning or, I mean, it's just about to get super, super graphic. So when one of the men had put the rod inside of Jyoti, I don't know if it was the same man or another man, but put his hand inside of her. And when he, he was very forceful about it. And when he pulled it out, he pulled out her intestines as well. The patrol officer that found her said that she looked like a cow who had just given birth to a calf. And I'm guessing that just means because her insides were coming out. I'd, I've never seen a, a cow give birth, but that sounds horrible. Her mother said that the surgeon told her that after being a doctor for 20 years, she'd never seen anything like this. And the doctor explained to her that the system by which the body functions is gone, and we don't even know what parts to join together. I... <sighs> I don't understand. Her estimated prognosis was two to three days, but they were honestly not even sure how she was alive at that point, so they knew she didn't have much. 
Over the next weeks, Jyoti began to deteriorate. She was in so much pain and was having a more difficult time talking. Her mom said that she was by her side the entire time and that the worst thing was being helpless. Two weeks after her attack, on December 29, 2012, Jyoti died at Mount Elizabeth Hospital. Her father remembered Jyoti sleeping on his chest as an infant, holding her finger, and now he would have to set her on fire for the cremation. Jyoti's mom said that Jyoti's last words to her were apologies for causing them so much trouble. Her mom also said we never realized how much we were attached to her, but since she left us, we have no idea how to start life again, where to start from. That's like another, again, that like ingrained in that culture and all Jyoti can think about on her deathbed is the trouble that she's caused her parents. It's so sad. Mm -hmm. And her parents don't feel that way. No. At all. No. They, they never felt that way. It's just so sad. The police started investigating, and they were able to locate and arrest six suspects quickly. One suspect was 28-year-old Mukesh Singh. He was the driver of the bus. The fact that they found them and arrested them so quickly is really, really amazing. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, she gave them a lot of really good information, but this is a random... None of them knew her or exactly. him, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, and the police were like, okay, this is going to be a really difficult case to solve because, yeah, it was a totally random attack. They didn't know each other. There's no link. But one of the, obviously, Jyoti gave a lot of information, which was paramount. Beneficial. Yeah. But the bus, you know, when you when you hear that, okay, these people were driving a bus, there's thousands of buses and there's thousands of the ones like this. So, well, and yeah, for this to be for it to not be like the public public transit system or something. It could be any bus, you know, exactly. Like, it could be anybody. But one of the mistakes that they made during the attack is that this bus, they were just kind of like driving around aimlessly committing the attack. And when police went back to look at the surveillance video of like, you know, the area they saw this bus pass by a few times. Yeah, which was unusual. And so they were able to pinpoint that bus in particular. And it ended up being a school bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, Insane. not that this kind of act should have been committed anywhere, but on a school bus? I mean, come on. The other suspects were Akshay Thakur, which was a bus cleaner, Vinay Sharma, a part-time gym instructor, Pawan Gupta, a fruit vendor, and 34-year-old Ram Singh, which was Mukesh's older brother, and he was supposed to have been the ringleader. So he's the one who initially walked up and was like, why are you out with a girl this late? And there was also a 17-year-old whose name was withheld since he was a minor at the time, and his name has still never been released. They just refer to him in the documentary as the juvenile. Yeah, and in articles, I've seen it that way too, the juvenile. That's all they've ever called him. Most of the men lived in the same camp in Arkeparam. Mukesh and Ram lived together with their parents, while Vinay and Pawan lived in nearby homes. Akshay lived with his family in another area, and the juvenile didn't really live anywhere. He was just kind of like, I guess you would call couch surfing. Well, and they, they talked to, like, we, you get to hear from the juvenile's mother in the documentary, and she said that he left home when he was, what, 12? Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was like, there's nothing to eat here. And just left. What am I supposed to do? And so he ended up getting in with, obviously, the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you say, this takes place in Delhi, the capital? Oh, I did not. I don't think I did. So, yeah, it's in Delhi. 
We hear in the documentary, Makesh gives his story. So mm-hmm. take it with a grain of salt. I, we get burnt up and fired up about all kinds of cases, but this man. Yeah, cannot. So he says that on December 16th, he and Akshay were hanging out at his house. And Akshay had just finished washing the bus when Ram got home around 5 to 6 p.m. Ram brought alcohol home with him, and he and Akshay drank and drank. He said they all drank, but Ram and Akshay drank to excess. And he also said that when his brother would drink, he would get really violent. So the men decided that, okay, we've got some money. Let's go party, get into some shit. They went to a party, and then at some point, they went to GB Road, and Makesh says this is the street where bad things happen, and it's kind of like the red light district. There's brothels there. There's tons of sex workers. There's, I guess, anything you could want to get into. Yeah, if you want to do some devilish deeds, I think that would be the place to go. Yeah. So Makesh estimated that the attack took maybe 15 to 20 minutes. He said that the men turned out the lights on the bus and Ram was running the show. They beat up Avanindra, then he hid between the seats, Jyoti was screaming for help, and Ram told Mikesh not to stop the bus and keep driving. Then the men dragged her to the back of the bus. They took turns raping her. Mikesh said first the 17-year-old, then Ram, then Akshay, and then the rest. Now, he says he never raped her. He never stopped driving the bus. But all of the other men, when they confessed, said that they all took turns raping and driving. So this I feel like this is classic. This guy being like, well, I was there, but I didn't do anything. I was just there. Yeah. He's I'm, trying to distance himself. I'm not as bad as they were. Yeah. Fuck you. Yes, you are. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no way he didn't take part in it. I just I don't believe that at all. Well, and I think if if you want to play that game, sure. But I think that he should just be punished for the things that he said <laughs> in this documentary. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I want him to. uh be locked up and throw throw away the key just for the shit that he said about exactly he said that someone put his hands inside jyoti and pulled out something long which was her intestines ram told the other men that she was dead and they needed to throw her off the bus they couldn't get the back door to open so they dragged the couple to the front door and threw them both out makesh said that at this point he sobered up really quickly and drove them home The other men went through the couple's belongings keeping whatever they wanted they took a cell phone a watch Juan put on a pair of shoes, and Akshay put on a jacket. At this point is when the juvenile said that he threw away what he had pulled from Jyoti's body. He said he had wrapped it in cloth and threw it out. When they got home, the men made a pact not to talk about this or say anything to police if they were confronted. That lasted all of four seconds. Makesh told the interviewer that there was blood everywhere, the seats, the floors, lots of blood. Akshay and the juvenile cleaned up the bus. Benet came to Makesh and Ram's house to wash his hands. And Makesh says after this, he just went to sleep. Because, like, why not? Well, a a good night's rest. Yeah, it shouldn't interrupt your sleep. That's for sure. He was really tired from all of the raping. And, oh my gosh. I almost. I know. I know. Fuck this guy. CCTV footage captured a bus that passed by a spot, a particular spot, twice. And the additional deputy commissioner, Delhi Police. Pramod Kushwa noted that this wasn't usual for a bus to do that. So that really gave it away. And the police were alerted that the bus was parked at RK Param, which is where the men lived. So as soon as the cops approached the bus, they come to the this area, they find the bus. 
A man jumped out and ran away. He was caught pretty much immediately and immediately confessed. And everybody was like, dude. We agreed to not talk about this. Yeah. And as soon as they saw him, he was like, okay, we did everything. And I'll tell you the names of everybody else. Yeah. Like, man, he uh, he hung in there as long as he could, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Which I'm glad. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Like. The four men that lived at the camp were found there and arrested. Police used dental forensics to match the bite marks on Jyoti's face, lips, and limbs. They were able to positively identify and match the marks to Akshay and Ram. Mukesh claimed not to be able to explain why this quote-unquote accident happened. I know, the way, because he says incident, and he's like, the, the accident. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not a fucking accident. No, it was not an accident. And actually, it was completely premeditated, because he goes on later to say that the juvenile was really great at coaxing people to get onto the bus, that they'd done this before, mm-hmm. that they'd used this bus to rob people, to rape people. This is not an accident, sir. Mm-mm. No. Oh, my God. I was like, I'm going to... F- I'm going to flip a table. I'm going to burn my house down. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm so fucking pissed right now. That's why you need the punching bag. Ex- yes, you got to have the punching bag. We should, like, make, like, kits for watching this, like... Well, and other cases that we've covered, too. There yeah, exactly. Be, yeah. Punching bag needs to happen. But he says the only thing he could really explain or think of was that they wanted to teach them a lesson because they shouldn't be acting this way. Well, and it's it's really interesting to me that... Obviously, they have a good grasp on morals and a moral compass, so they need to be the ones to teach everybody else how to act. I'm confused. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah, because they're obviously doing something wrong by going to a movie together as friends. And getting home before... Before 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. What the fuck? Yeah. Mukesh said a decent girl won't roam around at 9 o'clock at night. And he also went on to say, a girl is far more responsible for rape than a boy. This, no, it, that, that, this is not where I lost my shit. I lost it from the minute I pushed play. Yeah. But I was seeing red, like a blind rage at this a point. A girl is far more responsible for rape than a boy. Okay. We have, we've discussed things like this before because the victim blaming, the victim shaming, that shit ain't gonna fly. Mm-mm. I've never heard it so pointedly. Yeah, it's like you know that people feel that way, but he fucking said it, and the way that he said it was like, what? I mean, he he's just like, I mean, there's obviously no remorse because he doesn't think he did anything wrong. No, he knows he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, he thinks that this is legitimately her fucking fault. Mm-hmm. And he says, housework and housekeeping is for girls, not roaming in discos and bars at night, doing wrong things, wearing wrong clothes. Only about 20% of girls are good. And he claimed that people had the right to teach them a lesson. I, I, I was... We do not need people like this on the earth. I was dumbfounded. Yeah. Like, And also, like Tori and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording... Okay, girls are not for roaming in discos and bars at night doing wrong things. So, who is it that you're trying to hook up with? Like, are you go... I mean, I've done it where, you know, you go out with your girls and you just have a good time and stuff. Obviously, I'm not of the 20% of girls that are good. Right. But 
you know, you don't even think about the opposite sex. You're just going out to have fun and like dance and whatever. Or whoever you're attracted to. You know what I mean? Like there's no end game involved. Yeah. I'm married. I'll just go out and we'll just have fun and have some drinks and whatever. But you would think if they went to like the quote unquote red light district, like there's there's some kind of a sexual gain that they want to achieve. And so. Right. Wouldn't you need if you're into girls, wouldn't you need girls to be out? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So I'm like, you're going to sit here and take part in this quote unquote wrong behavior. And then you're going to turn around and judge, judge them for doing the wrong. Not even. She was just out. Yeah. And she wasn't even doing anything. Yeah. It's 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 asinine. It makes you it makes your brain want to explode. Yes. I can't even say the word brain. No. So fucking mad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He goes on to say, it's just, I know. it's never going it, to get better. My eye is actually twitching. It just started twitching. Oh, you're like the teacher from Daria. Like, <laughs> getting so mad. He said when being raped, she shouldn't fight back. She should just be silent and allow the rape. Then they'd have dropped her off after doing her and only hit the boy. And then he says the death penalty will make things even more dangerous for girls. Now when they rape, they won't leave the girl like we did. They'll kill her. You killed her, too. I am so shocked. I just don't understand the logic involved, if you can even call it that. Exactly. How do you... It, it, this is, like, masterful um, evading responsibility and blaming mm-hmm. the victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. He said before they would rape and say, leave her. She won't tell anyone. And now when they rape, especially the criminal types, they'll just kill the girl death okay so now we're gonna make it i mean already people were not reporting no i mean they said it's already a very low percentage of rapes that even get reported mm-hmm. and even less amount of them that get prosecuted and are brought to justice yeah they the police literally just kind of like let them sit around because it's like what, are we supposed to care that women are getting raped? I don't know. Or believe them? Yeah. Yeah. So already went, because it was, it brought shame on them. It was shameful. Like one of the, one of the leaders in India, I don't know if it was, I don't remember exactly who, but he said that essentially that you may as well, that once you've raped a girl, you've essentially killed her. She's a walking corpse. So what good is it to have her around anymore? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they they punished women for reporting it. Yeah. And for essentially for allowing themselves to be raped. Right. Yeah. And it's just amazing to me, the double standard. And we see it. I'm not going to pretend like I've had a super tough life because I have not. And I'm not going to compare my situation to hers because there is no comparison. But you see it, even in my life and what we've discussed, like different situations that we've been in, the double standard, where it's a man can put his dick in whoever he wants to, and they're congratulated, but it's the same act, but the woman is a piece of garbage for it. Mm -hmm. Or murdered for it. I mean, it's just... Yeah, exactly. Here are some statistics that will make you want to curl up in a ball and die. <laughs> Even though there was significant pressure from the public and they were raging about the injustices to women, this case managed to stretch out 
eight years from 2012 to just this past March in 2020. In these years, it's not like life suddenly became more safe for women in India either. India is a democracy and has laws against crimes like this. However, the laws are not implemented. In fact, according to one article, Article 14 of the Indian Constitution declares equal rights for women. Giving a dowry is considered illegal, but still happens. India's daughter quoted a statistic that a woman is raped every 20 minutes in India and that Delhi, the nation's capital, is known as the rape capital. According to one BBC.com article about this case, the National Crime Records Bureau released these numbers. Police registered 33,977 rape cases in 2018, and that's an average of 93 cases a day. Oh my good God in heaven. According to UNWomen.org, 28.8% of Indian women experienced physical and or sexual intimate partner violence at least once in their lifetime. 22% of Indian women experienced this in the last year. And 27% of women were married as children before age 18. And these are women that have shared the information. That's not all of them. Exactly. Exactly. India's population is about 1.37 billion people. If half are women, that's almost 685 million women. If 28.8% of these women have experienced physical and or sexual intimate partner violence at least once in their lives, that's over 197 million women. And that's just a rough number, like if we're, if we're, you know, assuming that half are women. France's stat from UNWomen.org were 26% of women experience physical and or sexual intimate partner violence at least once in their lifetime. 5% of women experienced this within the last year which would be about 1.6 million women. 9% of women experience non-partner physical and or sexual violence at least once in their lifetime. The United Kingdom stats were 29% experience physical and or sexual intimate partner violence at least once. 5% of women experienced it within the last year. It's 1.7 million. 7% of women experience non-partner physical and or sexual violence at least once in their lifetime. Zimbabwe. 37.6% of women experience physical and or sexual intimate partner violence. 19.9% experienced that within the last year. And 32.4% of women were married as children. What's more upsetting is that these are only the number of cases that are being reported, like you said. Mm -hmm. There are still thousands and thousands of cases that go unreported. This is especially true in countries like India, where the stigma associated with being raped is so much more devastating than places like here in America. And well, even here, the uh huh, it's not. I mean, you know, it's easy because don't don't make a lot of noise about it. Don't don't cause a stir. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a the Thompson. I think Thompson Reuters report of the top ten most dangerous places for a woman to live. Um, number one is, is everywhere. Well, yeah. Number one is India mm-hmm. right now. Um, but we're number ten. Oh, the U.S. Yeah, shit. and we rank on that report in the top 10 because of sexual violence. We are number three for that. So while we should be so much further, you would think we'd be a lot further ahead because of, I don't know, just seems like we should be. I just, I don't understand, but, but we're not. I mean, no, nobody has this under control. It's, it's, Something that the entire world has to fight for. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we have to go around kicking and screaming to get equality um, and ju- and for like 
women in places like India, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Afghanistan, the Congo. That is, I mean, just to be treated as people, mm-hmm. as as the, as citizens of the human race. Yes. Like, I just, well, I was discussing this with someone. I can't even remember exactly who, but equal rights for women came after. Oh, when we were when we were doing um, Lorena Bobbitt. Oh, equal rights for women came after animal rights. You know, like if, if that tells you the priorities, right? Like yeah. men first, always, right? Uh-huh. And this is not an attack on men. Like we we have I have we have such an am- such amazing men in our lives. Like I'm not trying to group everybody, but like men first, right? Then the puppies, and then the women. Yeah. And, like, we're all for animal rights. Oh, my gosh, of course. We're people. Yeah. We're people. It's just amazing. One good thing that happened was I was talking to my husband about this last night. Because, of course, you know, when you go into something like this, it gets you fired up. And I was just, like, mad as hell. And, you know, like, having my, like, we're not gonna take it, like, moment. And he was, I was, I was telling him, I was, like, it just kind of sucks that you have to be labeled a bitch to, because it's not. In a lot of ways, it's not looked at as strong. It's looked at like you're a bitch. And Absolutely. Steven, my husband, was like, well, if that's how you're going to be labeled, then be the biggest bitch you can be. He was like, if if somebody's going to think that about you, then take it and run with it. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, women in business and all that kind of stuff. It's like a man is like, oh, well, he's just a strong leader and a woman is just a bitch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just it's she's the double difficult. standard and the she's, stigma. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. Other cases of violence against women, women are set on fire after they're attacked, or in one case, a woman was on her way to testify against her rapist when she was set on fire. She was burned over 90% of her body and died three days later in the hospital. And this was just because she reported it and she was going to testify. They burned her alive. It's astonishing. There are acid attacks, domestic beatings, and what they call the sex ratio. There are missing women due to pre-birth sex selection. Basically, the people find out, like if somebody finds out they're having a girl, they will go ahead and get rid of it. Layla Seth, former chief justice, said that in Bombay, out of 10,000 fetuses destroyed, 9,999 were girls. According to an article called The Indian Girl Psychology, a perspective on NCBI's website, the male-to-female ratio as per census 2011 is 933 to 1,000, which is alarming. Given the biological norm of 100 newborn girls every 100 to every 103 newborn boys, millions more women should be living among us. If they are not, if they're missing, it means they've either been killed or have died through neglect and mistreatment. In India, the birth of a boy is a time for celebration, while the birth of a girl, especially a second or subsequent daughter, is often perceived as a crisis. Boys grow up thinking that the girls are less important. The girls eat last and they eat less. And she even said something about when you're, when you're growing up and you have siblings and you're a boy and you see that you get a full glass of milk and your sister only gets a sip. And you see that she eats after you do. And you have to eat more because you need to be strong. And you need to grow bigger and all these things. What does that do to your mentality as an adult? It's in no way right, but I can see why these men who committed this crime think the way that they do. Because there's that mentality out there that they're being taught. Yeah, they've grown up only knowing entitlement. Yeah. It's mine and I can take it because I'm a man. Yeah. 
Girls are objects for them to do with what they please. A jail psychiatrist said that many of the men in the prisons are there for maybe 12 rapes, but they've committed hundreds. Oh, my God. I, I just, that's, this whole case makes me want to just cry mm-hmm. and set everything on fire. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I just, I can't. It's a man's right. It's a man's right to have sex with whoever he wants, whenever they want, however they want. And it is not a woman's right to report that. Mm-mm. It's not a woman's right to complain about it. And she should, sure as shit shouldn't fight back. Well, no. She should allow it, accept it, not make a lot of noise, not cry, not fight back. Exactly. And Jyothi's murder lit a fire under an already simmering anger about the treatment of women in India. But there was still a long way to go. That's where we're going to stop today. The thing about you stopping here that pisses me off. I'm going to tell you, yeah. is that what you've done, what you've gone ahead and done, is get me all fired up, and then you're like, okay, now calm down. Yep. I hate you. Uh, yeah, so again, if you are part of the Patreon, you will get this immediately, and if not, you can always join us. We've got lots of stuff on there. We do uh, docu-series coverage as well. Um, Little mini-sodes called Murder Mixtape. Yeah, so you could get as many as three episodes a week up there um but if you want to wait then that's totally fine we'll catch you next week no worries part two either way we hope we see you on the next episode yep bye bye